Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this week's, no, sorry, in this episode we watched uh, 2006's The Illusionist and 2006's The Prestige. Yes, these are movies about magicians in the late 1800s who do tricks that are perceived as real. They're illusions, Michael. Illusions, Michael. <laughs> um, yes, literally because the word prestige comes from the Latin word for illusion, and then the other one's called the illusion. So the illusionist and the illusion yeah. are these movies. Now, it was. Um, I've watched The Prestige a lot. Me too. Um, I've watched The Prestige many, many, many times. I That, that was the second time I've watched The Illusionist. So that might actually be only the second time I've watched it as well. At, at most, the third. Yeah, it's interesting because they both came out the same year. Uh, what's the IMDb difference between the two of them? Um, rating wise, yeah, uh, I think it's about one point something. Like, um, I believe The Illusionist is rated seven point six, I think, and The Prestige is eight point something. Uh, I will say one thing. Um, seven point five and. 8.5, so, okay, so one point. Literally, literally one point. Um, it's, I think The Illusionist was overshadowed a little bit. Uh, it's still a very, very good movie, even though most people mm-hmm. haven't heard of it um, or knew that it came out the same year as, as Prestige, and I think that's probably why it was a little bit overshadowed. I think it was... I didn't see either of these in cinema. Um, I... Feel like when I heard about them first, I heard about them both at the same time. Right. So they and it was very much a wow. They've you know it was a, it was a twin film phenomenon that I heard about at the time of it happening. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, Like I feel like before that, the only other one I had been aware of was A Bug's Life and Ants. Yeah. When they came out, um, it was very much look these two magician films came out at the same time. How weird. Yeah. Um, you talk about the prestige as being. More well-known and stuff. Do you want to get straight into the box office details? Um, Sure, why not? Um, Because these movies came out at the the same year, so they're they're comparable. Um, You would be right in presuming that The Prestige made a higher amount at the box office, but you would be wrong if you presumed that The Prestige made higher profits. Because The Prestige... Cost more, more. Yeah. and the the difference in the box office is small enough that um, the illusionist the just, was actually more profitable. Yeah, so the illusionist the budget was sixteen point five million dollars, right. and it made eighty seven point nine million. Yeah, whereas the prestige the budget was forty million dollars, and it made a hundred and nine million. So that is a lot of money. Yeah, I'm assuming a lot of that went towards the cast. Because Probably. the cast of The Prestige now is insane. And it's a <laughs> fantastic... Um, I don't know if anybody else plays this game, but uh, me and Lisa play it quite regularly when we're sitting around waiting for something to happen or we're bored, which is we play the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Which is uh, basically to... You pick two random actors, and the way we do it is you pick one, I pick one. We mm-hmm. say them at the base, both at the same time. 
so we don't have a, a choice. You know, we can, neither of us can cheat. Yeah, we're, it's not biased or trying to get yeah, people yeah. who are close to each other. And we try and connect them through the least amount of movies and then come up with a number, you know, a number each. And it's interesting because there is so much, with The Prestige being you've got Hugh Jackman, or as I pronounced it when I was putting the Blu-ray in earlier today, Hugh Jacked Man, um, huged with an ED. Yeah, huged. Um, you've got, uh, you know, cause obviously the prestigious Christopher Nolan, so, you know, that, that name alone pulls a lot of weight. Um, didn't at the time. Didn't at the time, yes, but now, now obviously. Uh, we've got, yeah, Hugh Jackman, um, Christian Bale, Bale. Uh, uh, Michael Caine. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett, Scarlett, Scarjo, um, friggin' <laughs> David Bowie. David Bowie. Our boy Andy Serkis. Uh, Rebecca Hall, who yeah. I love. Yeah, it's it's a... Piper Perabo, yeah. as, as um, what's her name, Julie? Julia? Yeah. So you've got two people who play, one person who plays Batman, yeah. two people who play Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two Alfreds. Two Alfreds, one Batman. Batman uh, playing someone named Alfred yeah, in the movie. Yeah. You got Wolverine, you got Black Widow. Yeah. Also, I mean, I know I know we were including Andy Serkis as Alfred, but he also is um MCU. Yeah, he's MCU as uh, Ulysses Clow. Yeah. Um He's also, you know, in King Kong. Yeah, he's King Kong, he's Planet of the Apes, yeah. he's in Star Wars, he's yeah. in Lord yeah. of the Rings. He's, he's doing well for <laughs> He's a... in every franchise you could think of <laughs> for the last well for thirty years. Um, so where would we like to start? I don't know. There are, so I think both of these movies benefit from rewatching. Yes. Um, I wasn't sure about, uh, the illusions going into it, but the, I felt like the plot, the twists, okay, first thing we should say is massive spoilers, massive spoilers. So both of these movies I mean, as you, as the titles will tell you, they're about, they're about illusions, they're about magic, um, they're about being fooled and things not being what they seem. Yeah. So they're both going to have twists and turns, um, and if you haven't seen either of them, I'd recommend watching them. Yeah. With, without us to, because, because even if we try to avoid big spoilers, we would have to talk about. Yeah. We have to talk about the plot points and therefore we would be spoiling some yeah. great even just reveals. the the way the filmmaking is done. Yeah, yeah. Spoils some of it. Um so first and foremost, these both are movies that would benefit from watching unspoiled, but also benefit from rewatching. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I want to do something that I haven't done on this podcast before and I want to ask your opinion. Yeah. And then I'm gonna give my opinion because okay. it, it takes two of us. Um and two movies. Who do you think out of each movie gave the best performance. Ooh. Because my answer may differ from yours. I mean, this is going to be a controversial take, I think. But I think Rebecca Hall gives the best performance in The Prestige. Interesting. Um, in The Illusionist. Um, I don't know. I love Paul Giamatti. I, I don't know if he's giving... The strongest performance, though, but I do just love Paul G. Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jessica Biel is doing a pretty good performance, I think. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to say Rufus Sewell. because Because he's the only one, actually, when watching it, that I took down a note saying, like, he he's a really fun villain. Yeah. 
Yeah. I really like Rufus Sewell as the villain in that movie. It's there interesting because um, <laughs> I think Andy Serkis's performance is fantastic. Andy Serkis is brilliant in yeah. everything. Um, and it's good to have him not being a side character while he's playing another character. Yeah. Which happened for him in King Kong. Um, because he was he played King Kong. Yeah, and, and he also, also plays the, the cook, cook who gets eaten by giant worm things. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I like Edward Norton, mm-hmm. and I think, as we, I think we've discussed this, or maybe we just talked about it in person. It's yeah, hard we to. We should keep. note also there's a, another MCU. He's the Hulk. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> he's the Hulk in one of them. Um, it's interesting because. He almost peaked too early. Andy Serkis? No, Edward Norton. Oh, Edward Norton, sorry. Yeah. I got my, my brain, I re- re- reversed into the Andy Serkis conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Edward Norton. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. And I think he has the same looks on his face, and he does the same kind of acting that he does in a lot of the movies he's in. I think his strongest portrayal would be um, American History X. No, I no? still think Primal Fear, his first movie. Yeah. I think he is so spot on in that movie. That is. That is. I can understand why he went from that into getting Fight Club and American yeah, yeah. History X, and you know, um, I I still think that's one of my. It's probably my favorite Edward Norton performance is Primal oh, Fear. Um, American History X is fantastic. Yeah. The, the the reason I bring this up is I just think in certain sequences, especially when other characters were playing, a, um, not against, I think that's too um, confrontive of a word, but um, in the scenes where other actors had like a face-to-face where they were the only two in the room, Paul Giamatti like ran with it. Oh yeah, Paul and Giamatti's great. he steals great. every single sequence, and it was... He did that in every movie. Yeah. Rewatching it, like, I found some of the other performances by some of the other actors flat, mm-hmm. where he was bringing so much energy. Um, I think the first time I ever noticed how much he steals the scene was uh, Shoot 'em Up. Have you seen that movie? No. It's ludicrous. Um, it's a fantastic movie to watch if you want something like um, on the lines of, of, of you know, just over-the-top stupid action. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just, like, turned to sort of sub-reality stupid. <laughs> it's never going to win an award. I might have won awards, I'm not sure, but, like, it never won an award for, like, story. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, it took me aback when I was watching this, this time, watching The Illusionist this time, is how much he steals mm. the scenes and just sort of outperforms the other actors. And I found it when I was watching, um, spoilers, um, the sequence where um, the uh, Jessica Biel's character's found dead mm. and he basically outacts. Edward Norton in that scene, and oh, was yeah. just like, wow. <laughs> no, he's great, he's great. I, I do think Edward Norton is trying to give a relatively subtle performance, though, which is, yeah. you know, so sort of easy to outact. But, um, yeah, Paul Giamatti is great. I, but do you not think Rufus Sewell is great in it as well, as Prince Leopold? Yeah. Um, he's very good. There are certain sequences in that which are, are very... 
like that whole era of time mm-hmm. um, is super weird. Yeah. Of how the royalty were and how like the upper the the, the top crust were. Mm. Um, Do you want a fun fun trivia around that? Sure. So Prince Leopold isn't a real person. He's based on, or he was based on a real prince called uh, Rudolph, I think. Yeah. Um, but the the scene where they're doing the like the Excalibur trick. Yeah. And there's the other royal gets up really excitedly to pull it out. Um, you know, to be because he wants to be king, and he says. Um, careful cousin don't be too eager or whatever yeah that's supposed to be archduke franz ferdinand right (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's funny how history unfolds it's just one bad turn and we end up in world war one yeah um the driver should have known where he was going um because that was that assassination attempt was terrible the yeah, the, the history of both of them is a bit weird because obviously you have this jump between um, Hugh, Hugh Jackman going to uh, America to visit Nikola Tesla um, in Colorado and then he's back to London to outperform Christian Bale. And um, I want to touch on Nikola Tesla in a moment, but yeah, it is a, it's a very weird time because obviously sea travel was a bit like obviously it's like steam power era, mm. so it's not like they're not taking sail ships. It take several months, but like it it's almost detrimental to the the audience the first time you watch it. Like if you're going into the Prestige blind, which I hope you're not doing, listening to us. I hope you've seen this movie. Um, it does get a bit fuzzy about how much time has has gone pie a little bit and I think it may be like I think the biggest it wasn't until the second time I watched another Christopher Nolan movie which is um, Dunkirk uh, and then I had to look it up of like how much time because there's three sequences going within Dunkirk have you seen Following? I don't think so so it's his first film and it's done the same way it's a prestige kind of, well except it's not like it doesn't have the device of them reading each other's diaries Yeah. but it's the same guy, but you're following him in three different timelines, and then as you get towards the end of the film, they start to connect, yeah. and you start to go, "Oh my god, that's how we got here!" Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's very much Chris Nolan's like thing trademark. Yeah. He did it in Oppenheimer. Yeah, he did it in Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is also three different things happening at once. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting way to do it, but it does tend to make you have to watch the movie twice and maybe that's just a fantastic marketing well, plan i did it with with the prestige um like i said i didn't see it in cinemas i rented it on blockbuster from blockbuster while i was on holiday in florida that's retro and i watched it and then i immediately rewatched it <laughs> like literally the second it was over i went i need to see this again and i rewatched it yeah. it's the i think Oh, I was going to say, it's the only thing I've done that. It's not. I also did that with The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Fair. Which is... But again, it's a weird time yeah. things and yeah. stuff that you find... Twists that you find out towards the end. You're like, oh, let me see how that how that works out. I almost did it with Primer, except I just went back just to watch one scene at the beginning. And just to just to check some details. Yeah, just to Did they add it up? Make sure it all added up. Yeah, make sure the math works on that one. Um... The Prestige, yeah, The Prestige, I've rewatched it a whole load of times. Yeah. And I think you can see what they're, but like, I feel like I had to have watched it maybe 10 times before I 
even had a handle on exactly what was happening at exactly what not not the time thing i don't want to i'm wondering how much we're gonna we're gonna spoil here okay i'll just say please do not listen to what i'm about to say <laughs> if you have not seen the prestige do not listen <laughs> i'm going to give the big spoiler the twins i it took me like 10 goes before i could identify which twin is which at each moment and to this day there's a scene i've i think i've decided on it Okay. I think my instinct is correct, but there is a scene where I, I'm on the fence about which twin is which. Um, whereas watching The Illusionist, I feel like going through it a second time, it's very easy to see what is happening, what the plan is, and how the plan is working. Yeah, it's like it's it's so obvious. So if you if you I feel like if you're going in blind with The Illusionist. If you're thinking hard enough, you might figure out what's going on the yeah. first time around. Yeah. The prestige, you're no, not going to yeah, do yeah. it. <laughs> Even though they say it, they outright say it multiple times. They just keep telling you. Yeah. But it's so, like Angier, you think that's too simple and it, there's no way that's what the trick is. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, and yeah, it's there's like every line of dialogue is foreshadowing for something that happens. It's just so well written. I still think that Christopher Nolan peaked with The Prestige. <laughs> I think it was like the perfect film and he should have just said, nope, that's it, I'm done now. I've made the perfect film. Fair. I do like his other movies that he's made since then. Um, you want to live in a world with no um, Nolan Batman? Well, the uh, Batman Begins had already come out before this. Yeah, but I'm saying like... I could have lived with just Batman Begins. No, that's the problem. <laughs> too many movies with the origin of Batman. <laughs> Like, um, I think, I think, oh, just after, it's just, we're tired. Hollywood, understand, we are tired. I'm a huge, that, at, like, I'm a huge DC fan, and I am, if I see another Batman Origins movie, Well, I'm they've d- done I'm it done. with the, the new one, the Robert Pattinson one wasn't an Origins story. Yeah, it's, it's year one, well, it's a bunch of stories, but it's mainly year one. And... The, it's the same with Spider-Man. We've seen the Spider-Man origin story a bunch of times, yeah. and the Tom Holland one cut it out. Yeah. Um, Which was great. Yeah. Yeah. We know it. We know how Spider-Man got to be there. I do like, though, that Into the Spider-Verse gave us the origin story a dozen times. <laughs> 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 because it's, it's so much playing on the trope of everyone already knowing the origin story. Yeah, it's great. Sorry, um... Before we yeah digress too much, yeah it's it's interesting rewatching both these movies because they are so layered, and the layers are thick and very thin at the same time. That mm. is poorly mixed. If you were mixing things together homogeneously, it is very well layered, and this goes for both these movies, and I can understand why. Uh, it's it's such a it's such a I think it, oh, oh, genuinely I believe it's just the casting. Mm. I think it's just the casting that made made um the prestige pull ahead in most people's eyes of the as the that 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 movie. I think um also just the fact that Chris Nolan, like you said, had the Batman movies coming out around that time. He was he was a very he was becoming like a a well known name as an up and coming director, a writer yeah. director, um, and that you know, held on that trajectory. But it says, yeah, the cast is insane. Um, because I think the only other... I can't think of anything else off the top of my head right this second. 
that brings that many people together. Well, I'd never even heard it. That was the first movie I'd, I'd ever seen Scarlett Johansson in. Oh, interesting. I hadn't heard of her before then. Interesting. I don't... I mean, I know she was in stuff because she was in... You know, she was a, she was actually a child actress as well. Yeah, yeah. But I'd never seen her or heard okay. of her before that. And then I was like, oh, she's really cool. And then I think the next thing I saw her in was probably Iron Man 2. And I was like, oh, cool, it's the lady from The Prestige. <laughs> they put her in this movie. Um, well, that's the thing, when you intake so many movies, you can literally watch, like, trajectories of people's careers. Yeah. Just going back and rewatching anything from 2000s onwards to see how they ended up in Marvel movies is, is fascinating. <laughs> Because everybody's in them. That's the thing, folks. Yeah. Everybody's in them. I mean, we've just said most of the cast of <laughs> the prestige is in Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Rebecca Hall also is in the MCU. She's in Iron Man 3. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the vast majority of the cast are in. Or, 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 like we said, a couple of them in DC movies. It's interesting watching The Illusionist again. Because I'd forgotten certain parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It was interesting rewatching it today and seeing how much of a difference between the prestige and the illusionist is when it comes to what they're portraying on stage. Because that's that's the thing we're kind of missing at this point in time as as we go through this. Is you know it it all comes down to. The politics in the prestige are more interesting off screen, mm-hmm. but I think the politics on on sorry off, on stage yeah. with the illusionist are more interesting because he basically forms a cult, yeah, trying to destroy. He's the archduke, right? Is that the correct proper title? Um, he's the well, they refer to him as the crowned prince. No, you're the crowned prince. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's set to take over from the emperor. Yeah. Because that was... Oh, I, it was the Austro, Austro-Hungarian Empire. Empire yeah. Because yeah. it's in Vienna, which was is in Austria, and is basically the... And he plans to... Because she is the Duchess of somewhere in uh, Hungary, I believe. Yeah. Uh, because he plans to go to Budapest with her and announce their engagement so that he can essentially, I think, just take, over, over, take yeah. over that part of the empire yeah. behind the emperor's back. Yeah. That era of human history is bizarre, (laughs) because we were like, you know, we were bridging on coming into, you know, having the technology available to to change what we did to make the modern world, and at the same time, it was just like, the idea to me, even though I live in a Commonwealth country of a monarchy, makes absolutely no Mm -hmm. sense in the 21st century, it's like, why is this person royalty? (laughs) Oh, because they're parents were oh what why were they oh well if you you know digress and go back enough it's just some person who was really smart and charismatic got a bunch of other people together and went and murdered another bunch of people and then (laughs) declared themselves the king of that (laughs) land and then they didn't get murked by other people so you just have this lineage and it's like well i'm now the king of something it's like well you didn't do shit like no one elected you you were just and it's it's interesting because you know like um uh, um was it george i think it was george king george uh uh, civil war 
Why are you looking at me like I know this? Sorry. Um, I, was just, I was just sitting here shaking my head, and then <laughs> like, you just stared at me. Um, I don't have the answer to whatever you're trying to say. So whoever the reigning monarch was when the Americans had their civil war okay. thought it was stupid. Abraham that, Lincoln. No, well, no, no. Um, King George was when the Americans had the revolution. Yeah, sorry, the revolution. Sorry, I keep saying civil war. That's you said the civil war, yeah, which yeah. is when they had King... Abraham Lincoln as yeah, yeah, president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16th yeah. president. Yeah, I, I am wrong. I used the wrong war. Sorry, it's like America. 100 years Sorry, difference. Americans. I forgot which war, you were, <laughs> which war your country was formed in. Um, yeah, during the Revolutionary War, and uh, George Washington was called an idiot by King George because it was just like, why don't you just declare yourself king? That's what we do. We take over a country and we declare ourselves kings of things. <laughs> And I think, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time period of the late eighteen hundreds because you do sort of have this like almost borderline turn point, but at the same time there's just monarchies and it all should have ended during World War One because that was when the big Queen Victoria. You reckon? Queen Victoria was around when the Civil War happened. Right. Because it's the plot of National Treasure Treasure Two. She was she was in support of the um, South. Yeah. 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 It's and the French sided with the North, and that's like why I said. I've like told you before. <laughs> all my knowledge of American yeah, history true, yeah. comes from the yeah, National the Treasure movies, movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Day of the Tentacle, <laughs> because that's how I knew who some of the founding fathers were. And even that, even that is literally just the old world playing politics in the new world, because it was just England versus France again. Mm. Um, and the Americans hate the French. I hate the French for a different reason. I don't actually hate French people. I just, I, yeah, I've got, I've got some issues, um, mainly with the terrorism that was done and the person they were murdered and the nuclear testing in the South Pacific. Anyway, so uh, all of that happens in the illusions. <laughs> um, here's a question for you about these films. Yes, they are set approximately in the same year. Could you, do you imagine that it's possible? For these movies to exist in the same universe. Oh. Because the illusionist is set primarily in eighteen ninety nine. Oh, sorry, eighteen eighty nine. Yeah. And the prestige is set in the early eighteen nineties. Right. So they're within like five years of each other. Yeah. Is this happening in the same world? Is that is that what's going on in Austria while this is happening in the UK and Colorado? It's an interesting question, because the point I want to bring up about Tesla, I'm going to wait, and I'm holding on to that little biscuit, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's um, possible because none of them, other than the thing I will bring up about Tesla, there is nothing in these movies that is actually, like, fake. None of it is actual... Yeah, magic. I mean, Leopold is, Leopold is not real. Yeah. So other And than the, yeah. as far as we know, that Tesla device didn't exist, exist yeah. that particular one. But pretty much everything else is, is, is real. stuff from real history. Yeah. So it, it could be like a very slight alternate universe, and is it the same one? Could be. Because all the tricks in both movies, all the illusions, illusions Michael, Michael, are... Um, Based on real, they are real illusions that existed yeah. at the time that real magicians were doing at that in that time period, including the transported men. Yeah. Um. 
which was often done by twins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite surprisingly common. Um, it's, it's interesting because uh, going, I don't think we talked about it. I think we talked about it in person and not on the podcast. Um, which? The whole Elvis thing. Which Elvis thing? We've talked about many Elvis things. Um, it's also a clue in the National Treasure series. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the Tom Hanks um, recent Elvis movie. Right. About how many people got um, found by basically being traveling stage show mm. people and how that was a big thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because obviously it was one of the biggest, like, seat-filling entertainments at that time. Yeah. I mean, you're saying that, but, like, um, sorry, about pe- people like Elvis being discovered. Um, but that's how early Hollywood was. Yeah. A lot of early Hollywood actors were originally vaudeville performers. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Chaplin yeah. started off in vaudeville, you know? Um, so it was very common. Yeah, it's just, it's an interesting. Yeah, you're probably right. They could be the same world because none of it is, none of it is, as, other than the things that don't exist in reality. Or do they? Are you watching closely? But yeah, I mean, the most the vast majority of the stuff in both movies does exist in reality. Yeah. And did exist in reality at that time. Even the like mirror ghost tricks that he's doing in. Where he's like doing these fake seances in yeah. in, in Austria in eighteen eighty nine, people were really doing that trick in eighteen eighty nine in Europe. That was a real trick that magicians were doing. Man, I I I know I'm talking about a fourth movie now, fifth movie, sixth movie, um, Nightmare Alley, because it's also right. in the same, same traveling sideshow yeah. sort of illusions michael it's very much a circus movie though, yeah than yeah it is magician movie absolutely fantastic i just wanted to throw that yeah. out there brilliant performances i believe movie. that's a remake so we might do that in a remake series oh, that's cool point. i'd like to watch that movie again yeah see whatever the original was yeah um yeah so these are so these are real tricks to the point that in the movies they're real tricks yeah there's very little cgi in either movie I think the Tesla stuff is, yeah, you know, but um, they wanted to use pretty much no CGI in The Illusionist. Yeah. So um, Edward Norton was yeah. I'm gonna double check the per- the people's names right. just involved because it's important. Edward Norton was um trained in- intensively in sleight of hand and other stage magic techniques, uh, by two magicians. One British magician named James Friedman. And an American magician named Ricky Jay. Ricky Jay also trained Hugh Jackman and Christian oh. Bale on sleight of hand and appeared in The Prestige as the um, the guy that they're working for at the beginning, Milton. Oh, okay. The one who has the, the water tank trick yeah. that goes wrong. That is the real magician huh. who trained both of them in sleight of hand for that movie and also was one of the magicians who trained Ed Norton in Sleight of Hand for the other movie. Interesting. That whole entertainment genre is... It's very interesting because we are at a point in time in our history now that it's sort everything can be Googled. Mm. 
And that's what I thoroughly enjoy that uh, Pete and Teller tricker show. Yeah, yeah. Where he gives, they give um, uh, any any uh, magicians or illusionists who can trick them, like stage show at their full list, well, yeah, yeah, full list. That's yeah. the one. Um, you know, a week a week slot in their in their like, I don't know. They own a casino. What do they own? Like a theater. It's not like they Vegas. own the casino, do they? It's, it's like their permanent thing. I think they've got like a residency at yeah, the casino, yeah, is residency. that right? That's the correct word. Um, that's how Elvis does. Uh, <laughs> um, can I... I'm going to. I'm going to. Is there anything else you want to cover before I go on a massive tangent rant? Um, it is I mean, within the can, movie void. Still... It's okay. <laughs> he doesn't complain. He loves your rant. That's <laughs> what people come here for. Um, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's other things to cover, but I can cover that. You can go in your rant and we can okay. cover other things after. So, Nikola Tesla, who is a real person, mm-hmm. who was competing with Thomas Edison. And was in love with a pigeon. And, yeah, and was a very weird and wacky individual who developed one piece of fantastic technology and then all of his others were... Insane, and I know I'm gonna piss off some people who are like, Nikola Tesla was way better than Tom. Thomas Edison was a massive con artist. Yeah, he, Thomas Edison was a businessman, not yeah, an actual. Yeah, inventor. he just bought other people's patents mm-hmm. and claimed them as his own. And that's why Tis- Nikola Tesla would hate that Elon Musk uses his name. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Elon Musk is not a Nikola Tesla. He's a, he's a Thomas he's, Edison. He's a Thomas Edison. Yeah. Um, it's interesting watching. His portrayal on screen because, you know, it's David Bowie. So there's enough said about that. Um, he was the only person Chris Nolan wanted for that role, by the way. Fair enough. He literally flew himself out to see him because <laughs> David Bowie turned down the role and he was like, no, I literally do not want anyone else to play yeah. this role. It has I'm coming to, be. to your house. Um, yeah, he did that a lot. He did that to, to even get the rights to the movie. Fair enough. Well, I guess you can when you're. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. We'll come back to that. Rant loading. That is a reference to our Discord. Please join our Discord. It'll be in the show notes. Call to we action. We need a rant loading t-shirt. Yeah. That's one we need. Yeah. Because apparently, according to Kyle Hill, only people can only handle, because of the damage to our attention span, one call to action at a time. So, yes. Join Discord. our Discord. 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 Yeah. Discord. Rant loaded. The machine that Nikola Tesla builds for Angier would have stopped us going into World War One. It would have stopped us from having any wars. It would have literally solved every friggin' issue that we currently have on this planet, and it pisses me off. Every time I watch this movie, there's the one bit. He takes the greatest invention in human history, and he uses it for illusions, Michael. Illusions, Michael. Well, the idea is that people will revolt and they'll go full, like, Frankenstein reaction. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. That's true. Me and you both have an issue with um, the way farming is conducted. Mm Mm-hmm. You could, like, I know it's evil, but you could just infinitely... You could take one piece of steak and then copy it a thousand times. Yeah. The fact that there is need 
and excess in this world would be eliminated by Tesla's device. Mm -hmm. Because as he says, which one is my hat? They're all your hat. Yeah. They're exact copies. They're exact copies. Yeah. It's better than The Fly. Yeah. It's better than The Fly, which is a movie I made you watch the other day. Well, not asked you to watch the other day. It didn't yeah. make you. There was no tape or rope movie. or anything involved. But, um, but it couldn't replicate a steak accurately. No. It tasted funny. Um, anyway... The it just it just annoys the shit out of me that they he literally creates the best thing that humans have ever invented next to basic hygiene and the vaccines and But I think this is the point. You're saying this like it's like it's a plot hole. It's not a plot hole, it just annoys the living shit. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's the point is that like he is so obsessed. No, but that that Tesla well, yeah, well and Angier was never gonna use it for good. He yeah. was always only gonna use it for his obsession. But that Angier, or sorry, that's Tesla, that when he creates the machine, is immediately his whole place is burned down yeah. by, by you know, agents of Edison. Um, and it's, you know, and that is kind of what his life was like, that he would he would come up with genius ideas, but not be believed or, or cared about, or, you know, everything got was, everyone cared about Edison instead. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, I think that was making a little bit of a point of, you know, these people who had the ability to do this kind of stuff are, um, but don't get the opportunity because of other people's prejudices or discrimination or, you know, whatever the case may be, that they are, that they are shot down at every time they try to do something that could actually make a difference. Yeah. Or reading too much into it. No. <laughs> it just still bugs the shit out of me. Mm. He literally created a device that obviously wasn't requiring that much power because it was using AC, obviously, um, that could replicate anything. Mm -hmm. And it's just so mind-blowing to me that he's just like, cool, I'm going to do stage performances with it. Well, that's what, that's what Angier is. The whole, yeah. the whole, his whole storyline is him being so consumed with obsession that he loses the person he was. I have a double-barreled question. Mm -hmm. um, the, and the, the, the first part of this question is going to be a statement. It is obvious in The Illusionist who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, right? Sort of. Because it's... it's uh, Jessica Biel's character wants to run away and be happy. Uh, you have the the crown prince who wants to take over the empire. And you have Edward Norton who is just an illusionist, Michael. Yeah, except that, just like in The Prestige, his rival, in this case, not in The Rival Magician, but the rival for yeah. the love interest... Uh, ends up dead as a result of a, of an <laughs> illusion that he did that he convinced him was real. True. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's his cousin takes dirty. over and then we end up in World War One. Yeah. Um, exactly. Ah, uh, the 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 second barrel of my question. Mm -hmm. Are there any good people in the Prestige? I'm going to give you the same answer I gave you to who my favorite performance is in the Prestige. <laughs> It's, Nicola Tesla. No, it's <laughs> Sarah. Circus. It's Sarah. You reckon? It's Sarah is the only good person in that movie. Yeah, she was also treated horribly through it. Yeah. 
And it's, you know, um, because uh, here's the thing. So I've mentioned already the, the big spoiler that Borden is a set of twins. Yeah. One of the twins is, is a better person than the other twin, undoubtedly. Um, but was... he still is going through with all this shit. So yeah. he's not a good person. But he's definitely a better person. If if they weren't twins, if it was just that one guy, I don't think he would have gone down any of this road at all. Yeah. I think he, he was outdone by his twins' ambition as opposed to his own. Yeah. Um, but Sarah is just a good person. She There's nothing that she does is bad. Yeah. She's, and she is 100% the whole way through it a victim. Yeah. You could say that about Angie's wife as well. Yeah. Because it was um, it was um, Borden's um, but, ambition to change the knot, and that's why the whole rivalry started in the first place. But she, she also... Because of Borden's choices, and he, she, he doesn't even know which one he did. No, it's not... I know. It, it's because... It's because the one that did it is lying about what he did, yeah. and the other one... Doesn't know. D- doesn't know, because yeah. um, he doesn't believe him. Yeah. Um, but she gives him the knot. So she's in on that. Yeah. So she makes that choice. Sarah, I mean, in fairness, Sarah also makes that choice. Maybe. Yeah, because she's literally in the, I think it's the scene before um, she, uh, spoilers and trigger warning, commits suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, yeah, she knows. Well, it's, it's... That's not, this is interesting. She says to him, I know what you really are. Yeah. That was not in the script. Interesting. She said it and then apparently felt really guilty after. She was like, oh my God, we can't use that take because I have spoiled the movie. Yeah. And they were like, actually, no, I think you've said it. Like, you haven't quite said it. Yeah. So I think it'll, so they put it in. And it's great because then you're like, what does she mean? She, he knows, she knows what he really is. Um, it's It's hard because... Obviously, when when it's it's um, what's the easiest way to put this? Where it's not confusing for what I'm trying to say. When he is out of makeup, the one who doesn't love Sarah. Um, they have names. Oh, okay. They have names. This is a revelation for me. So I've always in my mind, um, referred to him because the name is Alfred. I've always in my in my mind referred to him as Alfred and Freddie because the one of the yeah. arrogant one goes by Freddie. Yeah. Turns out their real names are Albert and Frederick, which oh. is why they combine them into Alfred. Right. Um which is also why the the one who presumably is actually named Frederick is fine with being called Freddie. Yeah. But the one whose name is Albert Does is like don't call me that. It. Yeah. So Albert is the one that's in love with Sarah. Frederick is the one that's in love with um, with yeah, with Olivia. Yeah. So they're Albert and Freddie. Yeah, you're... Uh, it must be... Because they, they take turns playing Fallon. Yeah. Who's like his assistant. His, his uh, ingenue. So the same as what um, Michael Caine's cutter is to Angier. Yeah. It's so... Knowing that, and you rewatch the scenes, it is so painful. It's so, so sad, because there's the bit, that whole sequence, because they obviously, because, you know, he says at the end, the trick is where we switched, you know, Um, and they both lived both lives, so they both slept with each other's, you know, partners, and, you know, did everything 
Um, and they obviously planned it out in advance because there's a bit where um, Albert uh, is saying to, to Jess, oh, yeah, I'll, 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 I've got to go run my errands and then I'll come back and take you to the zoo. Yeah. And then he goes and he meets Borden, yeah. which is Freddy, and is like, oh, she wants to go to the zoo. Will you take her? Yeah. And if then not, he, I'll take her tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. then he says, um, Sarah, she knows, she knows something. Um, can you just do whatever you can to convince her that I love her? Yeah. And then the next interaction we see with him and Sarah, which you think the first time watching it is him and Sarah, and then yeah. you realize it's actually um, Freddie who he's talking to in that scene. And Sarah, he's saying, no, I don't love you, and, and screaming at her and having a whole argument. And that's when she decides, and he is he can't do anything about it. He's yeah. just there as as warden, and he, all he does is like put his hand over Jess's ears and move her out of the way so she can't hear the argument. And he just, like, all he had asked him <laughs> was, was, can you make her believe that I love her? Yeah. And he just... Can't. He just pushed her to, to yeah. suicide. Which is, <sighs> which is why I... Part of the reason I think one of the brothers is a much nicer person than the other brother. Yeah. It's um, even that scene where he's, like, yelling at him. It's like, you're too stupid to realise how he's doing this trick. Yeah. And it's funny because they, they, the cuts in that are so good. Yeah. Because they, it's two different scenes. Yeah. And it, it's made to look as one scene and that he's like, changed his whole tone in later in the scene. But it's the other brother after they've swapped or on another day when they're, when the other way around, who's calm and saying, you know what, we won't go again we'll just leave him to his trick and we'll yeah. live our lives and you know and whereas the hot-headed brother is like no i'm gonna go again and i'm gonna do this and he ends up on trial for murder um i am glad that at the end of the movie the brother that survives is the better of the two brothers the nicer of the two brothers but i'm sad that his whole life was destroyed by yeah his his brother's ambitions I could literally talk about the prestige for days. <laughs> <laughs> I love the prestige so much. Do you want to know what, or do you do you know what scene it is that I that I'm never sure which brother is, which? No, tell me and the audience. When one of them, as Fallon, is put in the coffin and buried alive. Yeah, I guess because it's not. What's what's fun is bef I looked at the IMDb trivia before we watched the movies, and in the IMDb trivia, it claims that one of the brothers has a scar on his eyebrow and the other one doesn't. So when the opening scene, when the like first scene of him was there, I could see the scar on his eyebrow. I was like, oh my god, it's true! It's a lie. They both have the scar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more there's it. It is covered up in the scenes where he's in, like, the fake beard and makeup and top hat for the show yeah. after after Olivia gets him to do more showman stuff. Um, but but it's they both have the scar. Um, I still believe that it's Albert in the box. Yeah, well, it'll explain the next sequence where they turn up at the restaurant and Freddie is being an absolute dick. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm going to be buried once a week. And like, <laughs> yeah. his, his twin who's in the makeup and can't break character is just like... Well, this is the thing, is that that's the scene, <laughs> that's the scene that makes a, that you could make an argument either way. Because yeah. he could be saying that because he was buried. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's why he survived it and is like on an adrenaline rush. Yeah, asshole. Or that it's the because he says I almost lost something very dear to me. Yeah, and that could be his own life or it could be his brother. Yeah. The reason I believe it's Albert in the box and not Freddy is because before right before that happens, the brother who is playing um, Alfred is says like oh i'm gonna go for a walk he can let him come it's whatever and that is the arrogance of freddie in my opinion because and then the brother brother playing fallon is um more cautious and decides to follow him and keep an eye on things and that feels to me more like the personality of albert yeah so i think that would be why i think arrogance um when they meet and he's buried. Mm-hmm. Just that arrogance that he he attacks, verbally attacks um, Angier with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's a but every other scene, I think it's. And you know what? A credit to Christian Bale. Yeah. That I can tell. But which, like. That it's, he doesn't need the credit. He's fantastic. Yeah, I know. But but just that, like the performance is subtle enough that. On the first watch, you don't realize it's two people. Yeah. But but rewatching, you can tell when it's one and when it's the other, and you're like, holy shit, these people have two different personalities, yeah. and they're trying to meet in the middle to be the same person, but that you know they've got aspects that shine through, and you know, and Albert is obviously much more. Uh, you know, tender and quiet and reserved person because that's why, you know, him with um with Sarah and her nephew. Yeah. And then Freddie is the the flamboyant and you know, the kind of risk taker of the two. Um AJ yeah. is a dick, like just throw and throw. Yeah, AJ is a dick. It's funny because I feel like when you're watching it first you're kind of, it's kind of painted that Angier is the good guy and yeah. Yeah. Borden is the bad guy, and then it's like, and then as as it gets further on, you're like, no, this isn't the good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever this guy is, he's not a good guy. <laughs> he is set on a path of revenge. Yeah, and he takes it way and too far. ambition before that as well. Yeah. His ambition, ambition, ignorance, and yeah, it leads to his like this revenge arc. Yeah. But it's also they have um, and this this is in both movies. There's this theme of changing names yeah because from the beginning we find out that angier's name isn't angier yeah he's lord caldlow and he always has been but his family asked him to please not embarrass him yeah. by being a magician so he changes his name it also makes a lot of sense that he is wealthy mm-hmm. because it's like you know, you see the differences between their lifestyles yeah and you know, it's just like, oh, you know, the, the, the scene where he has to cut his own, well, it's not his own, his brother's fingers off after the failed bullet catch where yeah. Angier tries to kill him. Um, it's a, they're living, like, hand to mouth. Yeah. Where, on the other hand, it's just like, here's my notebook, it says Tesla on it. Oh, well, better go to the United States. Yeah, yeah. That... Time to go to Colorado and stay indefinitely at a hotel. Yeah. The... But that I always find interesting, and I've made a decision, and you may disagree with it. Mm-hmm. It's not actually him in the audience. It's not um, e- either Albert or Freddie in the audience. At which point? When you're watching Tesla, when he gets thrown off screen, off off the stage. 
when Thomas Edison. Well, who do you think it is? No, I'm saying that it's in his mind. It's not, oh. He's not actually there. Mm. Because how would he have, if they're living hand to mouth and they have to be in two places. It's, it's a, but it's a, it's a free thing, isn't it? A free event? Yeah, but he's in a, in the States, isn't he? Or is that, No, no, no. Did that happen in... That was in, in the oh, UK. So okay. Tesla came and did a demonstration thing. And that was, I think, where he got the idea to use Tesla as the thing. Because he also obviously would have seen Angier there. Right. So he knows that Angier will know what that means and also where Tesla is. Yeah. And knows that it means that Angier will be far away from him. Again, I get confused because of the weird timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, no, so that's the first time they're introduced to the concept of Tesla. So I think the idea is that maybe um, Borden had heard of Tesla before, but Angier has no concept of him until he sees this yeah. spectacle. Um. One interesting thing about that scene is that like the, the person who like uh, calling for them to shut it down later appears in the movie as one of Thomas Edison's men. Makes sense. Yeah, so it's it, it was a a nod to um the fact that it's not only magicians who go to their rivals shows. Yeah. And... yeah. <laughs> it kind of that whole rivalry thing portrayed in movies kind of reminds me a little bit of Ghostbusters. Because you know how the bad guy in Ghostbusters, other than the actual super paranormal whatevers, yeah, um, it is like a civil servant who works for the city and is worried about like unproven technology being like mm. in the middle of Manhattan. It's it's the sequence that cracks me up is because he's the bad guy because he's trying to shut the Ghostbusters down, but we're on the side of the Ghostbusters as the audience because right. they're the good guys. Yeah, he is literally just doing his job. Yeah, and that's it quite is, often. My favorite moment is when they're in the elevator. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. Um, in the elevator, and he turns on their like backpack thing, and it's yeah. like, oh, this is an untested, like. Basically the same thing people were protesting in in um, in Europe when it started because people were terrified that we were going to create a black hole and destroy the planet. It's a um, super collider. Right. So they are using they're basically walking around with with the hadron collider. Yeah, right yeah, nuclear powered <laughs> hadron collider on their backs and, and to shoot ghosts with. And they literally, like, they turn it on while it's on somebody else. And then they, like, back away from it slowly in an elevator. <laughs> and it just, it, it's it's such a fringe, the TV show, moment. Um, mm. Of, like, they could have just, like, literally done a Johnny Silverhands and blown, like, nuked the building then and there and it been over with. Mm. And it's just, it just cracks me up, like, the the bad guy is literally someone who's doing their job. And it just reminded me so much rewatching it of, like... Oh, yeah, I forgot about the fact that they used to do this to each... Well, not each other, but it was just, like, Nikola Tesla moving around being harassed by... Edison. Edison. Yeah. So funny. It's a fun little bit of history thrown into the... Yeah, um, yeah. Like, like the Archduke Franz Ferdinand cameo and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other one. Um, yeah, because he also in... Um, not Archduke Franz Ferdinand. The, the main <laughs> character in The Illusionist changes his name. And that's why she doesn't. Um, Sophie doesn't recognize him at first yeah. when they when she goes to his show. It's such a shame because I think we've spent a majority of this podcast talking about the prestige, but this is so much to it. Like The yeah. Illusionist is a fantastic movie, mm -hmm. and going into it and watching it, you're sort of like, oh yeah, you know, like this this just set up and like. They do a very, they are very similar 
where you get a little bit of the ending at the beginning of the movie to yeah. draw the audience in. It's and the same really, in both. I love yeah. that. And also both of them have like cuts. So it's more, it's done um, in a way that you can see it in The Prestige. So first of all, so the opening scene of The Prestige, the opening shot tells you the one of the twists of the movie yeah. immediately, which yeah. is great because you have no idea what it means. Yeah, because that was that was my my big revelation watching when I watched it through and then immediately restarted it. I hadn't even remembered that was the opening shot, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> they put it right there!" But then it's like a an overlay of of Michael Caine testifying at a, at, a, at trial. Yeah. Um, over you know shots from different parts of different endings or wrap ups read it. Um, whereas in The Illusionist, it starts out with him being on stage, the police rushing up to arrest him, and then it cuts to the police outside with him, bringing him somewhere. Yeah. That's not how it happens when he's arrested, when they could try to arrest him in that actual scene on stage, when it actually happens, mm. it turns out that he is an illusion and they can't, yeah. they can't arrest him. He's already escaped. Yeah. Um, the shot with the scene, the other bit where he's walking with them and they're bringing him somewhere happens earlier in the movie when they're giving him a warning yeah. about like what, what to avoid doing to try and not get arrested. Um, so it's cleverly done so that like when you see it happen in the movie, you're like, oh, he's going to be arrested now. And then you're just like, what? <laughs> He's he's a ghost. He's dead too. Um, but yeah, there's definitely. I feel like the the kind of hints as to what's going on in the illusionist are more overt. Yeah. Because obviously, but then again, like I said, in the in the proceed, they outright say it. Yeah. The first time. Cutter sees the transported man, and Angier asks him, "How did he do it?" He says he uses a double. Yeah. They it's answered yeah, very yeah, first yeah. time it's asked. Um, it's just we're led to believe that's not the case. Um, but in the illusionist, um, I feel like it's obvious that he knows he's being followed. The times when they're watching him and see things that they're going to report to the prince, and then but then like the, you know the suitcase where he's got like put away the bottles of suspicious liquid and given yeah, them to yeah. her, and then she's. Suddenly having, she's suddenly at the prince's place and she's in there alone and then he comes in and drinks from the, the thing that was in front of her. It's like, okay, she's clearly put something in that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no, there's no way that's not what happened. It is a fantastic setup. Yeah. Like, the prestige of the illusionist is a fantastic setup. And mm -hmm. I love, that. that's where um, the main, the main issue that I brought up, well, not issue, but like the main th item I brought up in the beginning which was um, the final sequence with Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Is so brilliantly shot, and the emotion and expression on his face is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, where he gives him the orange tree illusion. Yeah, which he wanted the whole time. And he unboxes and realizes, and all the pieces fit into place, and the puzzle is complete. Of how the, the both of them set up um, the chain of events that led to them living, you know, the the crown prince being dead, them living happily ever after, and it is him just being like the because it's sh um, 
for those who don't remember, it's shot from below and the camera is on some form of dolly and it's circling him. Mm. And he is just standing in the middle of probably a, a half circle, probably a half circle um, rail system. Yeah. And it is just circling around him as he's just like coming to realisation And it's of so everything. funny because it does like a like a a very obvious like montage of flashbacks of yeah. things we've already seen in the movie putting it together and so yeah. it's like okay but like he's reacting to all these things as if like he's seeing them as if he's like oh yeah I remember that oh yeah, and that yeah. and it all pieces together and he's you know because I mean he doesn't actually have those it's just Paul yeah. Giamatti standing there going oh whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, he does a good job I, I think because they do the prestige they also when things are revealed at the end do a kind of flashback montage like yeah. when you find out that the the Borden twins were twins the whole time. Um, you get the flashbacks when he says like, "Oh, it's so simple, so easy." He's like, "Simple, maybe, but never easy." And you yeah, get the, yeah. all the times they had to make sacrifices to to keep it, the illusion going. Um, so they do both use that technique. I feel like that technique is better done in the Prestige yeah. than in the Illusionist. I felt like it's weird, like fantasy clouds <laughs> surrounding Paul Giamatti. He's doing a great performance yeah, though, yeah. as usual. Um, also, the opening to the illusion oh is a bit God. weird. It's I th- that was so. It's trying. Weirdly I think jarring. it's trying to call on. Yeah, because it was like shaking. It's very odd, but I think it's trying to call on the idea of like spirit images. You have spirit photographs, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's all these like weird like sepia toned photos and you know fog and it's blurry and it's shaking and it's weird. I freaked out. My friends don't like. Obviously, uh, back in the day. Um, where you could Google things and you could find one explanation of how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. I went through and um, I bought a disposable camera. You did you did spirit photographs? No, I I learned on Google how to fake them. Yeah, well they were all fake. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying like I I learned how to fake them and yeah. then showed. Like, I took away. So you weird... made some. You yeah, made yeah, spirit photographs. Yeah. I don't know where they ended up. That's but... amazing. Yeah. How did you do them with the disposable? I would have thought you'd have to do, like, longer exposures. Um, it was a, the lighting thing, because obviously mm. those cameras are, like, if you don't get one with flashes, or you... Oh, yeah. I did have one with a flash, but, like, there's a way you can change the lighting where it just does weird... Okay. Weird things, like, um, all I was doing was setting up, like, tiny mirrors. Right. Well, that's how, that's how he does it in... Yeah. The um the illusionist is how he makes the sales things because that that was a real trick and the real trick is done with like someone standing backstage and um because the the they're trying the whole time to prove how he's doing different tricks, uh which they're also doing in the prestige trying to figure out how people are doing different tricks and prove whether this works or that works, and the proof or the way they try to prove it is they have like a pre recorded thing yeah. that comes up, and that was another way to do it, um. But in order to have them actually answering questions from the crowd, which which his ones were doing, it would be someone, a performer backstage, and then it would be like a series of mirrors and lights and things that would cause that illusion to, to be where it is. I'll tell you what was really fantastic, and this is this is um, similarly related. Did you watch the um, on-stage live performance of uh, Gorillaz? No, I haven't seen him. Oh, okay, it's it's a fantastic video. Um, I th- think it's Madonna. Okay. It might be Madonna. I'm not gonna look it up. There's no point. Um, but obviously they are using the way they did the holograms for the um performers 
is using um, a displayed glass. Right, I've seen so that Madonna technique used. Dance around because I think it's Murdoch that they do it with right. the, the bass player who don't know Gorilla's Law, um, and she dances around him. Yeah. So you can tell where on, but like, they're, they're not real. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're like the first time I watched it, I was like, "What the hell <laughs> did, did they do that?" <laughs> but yeah, and then you Google it, and you're like, "Oh." There's it's a lot clever. of you can do it with water as well. I yeah, think you can project yeah. stuff through water. That's fascinating to me. That's so, but what's amazing is that these tricks that they show in the prestige and the others, like pretty much all of the tricks they show were real tricks at that time. Yeah, so people were doing these things in the 1800s. Like, that's fascinating to me that they were able to figure out how to make those like tricks like that. Because all it would take is like you're the pioneer of doing. A, a an illusion, Michael, and then it would be all over. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry for those who don't know what we're referencing constantly. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, why can't I think of arrested, arrested development? development. Yeah. I was like Bluth family. No, that's not the thing. <laughs> it's not yet. Yeah. So one of the one of the brothers in the family, Job, is a magician, and every time someone says he's doing a trick, he says it. They're illusions, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he doesn't say Michael to everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's normally Michael. Job, I don't him. have time for your tricks. They're illusions. You don't have time it's for my, my illusions, illusions Dad. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. a great show. Yeah, that was a good show. Um. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about in the movies, or do you want to go into trivia? No, we can go into trivia. Want to do some trivia? Let's see what have I I'll never get over Nikola Tesla's device being able to literally make copies <laughs> of anything ever, and, like, if that item existed now, we would literally, like, world hunger, gone. Like, poverty, gone. Like, everything. Oh, we need to mine resources. No, you don't. Just copy them. <laughs> You need gold to make circuit boards? No, you don't. We've got like, you need to make more of these machines? Yeah, Here's, just, just copy to all the, the machine into a, Then the machine, you get a smaller machine. It's like the joke about how you make a 3D printer. Because <laughs> you buy a large 3D printer, you make that 3D printer print a smaller Printers, 3D printer, printer, and then you return the larger 3D printer. Wow. Um, so the love scene in The Illusionist. The love scene. The love scene. That's how it's phrased on this. The love scene. Uh, was entirely lit by kerosene lamps. So by the end of each take, the room was so filled with smoke that they couldn't see. Yeah, yeah. Those <laughs> things are not clean burning. <laughs> um, it also, I just put this in here because it, cause I, it doesn't t seem to come up as a fact in other things very much, so it talks about DVD sales. So in the first five months after The Illusionist was released on DVD, uh, it earned $35 million, or sorry, $35.99 million, so almost $36 million in rental revenue. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot of a lot of DVD rentals of The Illusionist. Just funny because I had a DVD rental of The Prestige. It's, um, it's shocking how much that genre, that, not genre, that demographic, the at-home movie, has really affected certain things within um the industry mm. which is now dead and streaming killed it and now stream like streaming I was dvd the other day yeah i understand that also weird timey-wimey stuff in that movie Chron yeah. chronosthesia look it up the <laughs> 
without DVD sales of Firefly, we never would have got the Serenity movie. Yeah. Without DVD sales of uh, Farscape, we never would have got Farscape Peacekeeper Wars, which you don't care about, but even though I made you watch it. Um, Paul will care. Um, if he listens to this episode. Um, <laughs> is, he, is he a fan of Farscape? I don't even I know don't, that. I don't, I don't, I don't, oh, you're just assuming that everything you like, Paul likes. Yeah, yeah, looks yeah. That's great. That's yeah. Um, the... <laughs> other people have seen Farscape. It's not just me. Um, it's... <laughs> It's funny that how evil, because streaming services were the saviour at one point in time, mm-hmm. because it stopped everybody pirating stuff and it gave money back to the industry because yeah, there was a dark time. It ain't time. doing that anymore. There was a dark time where uh, if you couldn't buy it, how could you get it? You literally couldn't. And it was yeah. a big issue here in New Zealand for me, who was a huge fan of collecting DVDs, where because they just didn't have the licensed distributor in New Zealand or Australia, you could literally not get a copy of something. And that is absolute bullshit. Mm -hmm. That is absolute greed. It's the same, I think, I brought it up on the podcast uh, previously about trying to buy a copy of the extended edition of Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray mm. and going into JB Hi-Fi and being like, hey, what's the deal with this? And they're like, it basically New Line and... Who's the other company that made Lord of the Rings? New Line and... Well? Whoever the other... <laughs> whoever was the distributor were having an argument over percentages and basically New Zealand got jibbed. Miramax, was it? Something like that. Yeah, there was know. there was an argument yeah, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a contract disagreement, and basically, I'd gone into JB to buy it, and they were just like, "Cool, we had eleven pre-orders, and the entire co- company, not this store, the entire company got five copies, and that store alone had eleven pre-orders. It was bullshit, and it was out of stock for months, and that is why I had no issue at that time. Was it Wingnut? Yeah, Wingnut, sorry. Yeah. Had that time it with, with piracy because it was like, well, if you, if you can't physically let me legally buy it, and because of the way that zoning laws work on DVDs, uh, not zoning laws, what are they called? Region locks on DVDs. Mm. If I bought an American DVD that was sold by Blu-ray, um, I couldn't physically watch it. Yeah, we've had that problem trying to watch one of my films, and yeah. it was like, oh... Yeah, it required yeah. my AliExpress um, DVD player, external DVD player. Um, it's... We watch them on my, my laptop, but my laptop's very small. Yeah, well, you attach it with an HDMI cable. Anyway, um, and it's one of those things that really annoyed the crap out of me, and not being able to buy stuff. And oh, no, I wasn't looking confused at that. I just, I don't, I couldn't remember if my laptop, I don't think it even has an HDMI on it. Oh, know. no, I don't. It's not on this <laughs> side. Um, the, uh, where was I up to? Yeah, so that whole era was very painful for me as a, as a movie watcher and of just being like, oh, cool, I want to watch this movie. Can I go to my local store and buy it? No, I can't. The rental companies got shut down because of how... You know, I remember going to, um, I can't even remember what they were called anymore in New Zealand, uh, Video Easy. Video, video Easy. Easy. I was just going to say Video Easy. Yeah. Because when I lived in Australia, there was a Video Easy box. Yeah. In my local, like, it was like a local mall that had like a cold supermarket and stuff in it. And I rented so many movies. Like, I hadn't rented movies in years. And then I just had this box that was accessible to me and I could just like go through 
a catalog and be like, oh, I'll watch this movie, and yeah. it would just spit out a DVD at me. Yeah, because that's how Netflix started. It's shut down now, apparently, entirely. But, yeah. like, I wish I had that service still. But if they put one of those in our local countdown, like, I would be there all the time, like, let's rent a movie from here. Yeah. They'd and, make so much money off And me. it's also, like, where the kids who have an interest in film or studying film at, at um, university work now. With all the DVD and movie rental places shut down. Because everybody I knew was either... That worked at my local Video Easy were either film students or worked in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I think Tim was writing at the time. Anyway. um, It's... Yeah, obviously, you know, the the streaming services came along and, and... ruined that because they just became too big inflated destroyed everything else and then it's like oh now it's hbo at home or hbo max and i think it's now just called max because they rebranded paramount plus amazon plus apple tv it, it's it's they're destroyed they're cannibalizing themselves and they're also um just deleting stuff like things off their system yeah they're just removing stuff and then there's no way to get it and we, i've we, seen people like creators of shows say hey my show is being taken off this platform and then there will be no way to get it so pirate it now yeah the uh, the um over the garden wall is one yeah the creator of over the, over the garden wall is saying please pirate my show yeah because i because but i've lost rights to it and i can't get them back and now yeah. they're taking it away from well, me well what he's saying is um he doesn't want the show to be lost he's yeah. like please archive it yeah because that's piracy at this point in time has now become the archivist. best form of back, the data backup. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we like the people who are who are you know holding those databases are the archivists of that media because yeah. the actual companies that have the rights to distribute it don't want to do it anymore, so they're yeah. just cutting it. Yeah. Gravity Falls is another one. Apparently, it's going to be gone soon. Yeah. Just going to be disappeared. You got to archive it. People, people the, listening, archive yeah, over the garden wall, yeah. archive Gravity Falls. My brother, my brother and me TV show. <laughs> yeah, they don't get anything from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they got, <laughs> they got fucked over real bad. They got real messed up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, if we ever get a TV show out of it takes two, we'll do better than the, the Magro Brothers did with their show. They they also just say, hey, pirate our show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, because, the, well, the, the platform that it was on when they were making money off it, is no longer exists, yeah. but the the shows that exist on somewhere else that you have to pay for it, and they don't get any of the money. Yeah, which is stupid. Yeah, so it's a we're it's sitting at a very interesting point in history, mm. and I fear, genuine fear, how, you know, greed was the reason Game of Thrones sucked. Idiot, you know, idiocracy is the reason that The Witcher sucks. It's. We we're just being fed bullshit mm-hmm. by people who don't, and it's like the strikes at the moment. I think the strikes are great for media because we need to have a reset. We need to have we need to reach a point where nothing is being released because the strikes have gone on for so long. There is no new media, and there's just nothing. We need these these companies, corporations, to say actually these guys are right and we do we are reliant on yeah. them and without them we don't have any new material and we don't have anything to offer people and then have a have a 
renaissance of good media being created. There's also require a lot, of, a lot of people to end their subscriptions to... Um, well, they're not calling for that. Yeah, but I'm saying the only way for us to actually go into a renaissance is for people to end their subscriptions with this because it, there is yeah, an option. I think that'll be the next... I think that'll be the next step in this. Because of their corporate greed has basically stopped people. Oh, you can't share your account. It's like, what if I pay for the sharing account? No, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Like, it's happened with people we know's Netflix accounts. Yep. Um, um, our Disney Plus, we pay for Disney Plus, and that's still working because my mom in Ireland is watching Disney yeah. Plus on my account. Yeah. So that's still okay. <laughs> Until Disney hear this on our podcast. Cause yeah, Disney, Disney listen executives listen to our podcast. <laughs> the Disney executives are going to listen to an hour and 20 minutes of us talking about the prestige. Yeah. Um, and the illusionist, uh, yeah. Michael. Um, <laughs> that's another thing. Um, um, it's so convenient. Because instead of digging out several seasons of a, of a show or owning every single DVD or yeah, whatever, it's, box sets and... it's just it's so easy to just press a button and there, there's every single episode. Mm -hmm. And it it's so disappointing that this beautiful thing, which was replacing something that was beautiful, because it was, it was fantastic. I remember going and getting the, I can't remember what the deal was. It was like... 5 for 14 or 5 for 12 or whatever you can rent 5 like mm. movies that weren't new releases for like a couple of bucks I love DVD rentals yeah. I love VHS rentals yeah sorry way. sorry I was from the era of VHS rentals yeah yeah, yeah. So. I, I mean yeah but I like I did a lot of VHS rentals by yeah. the way our local VHS or video rental store in the 90s was probably at one point like entirely held up by me renting the Ewoks cartoon TV show on DVD or on sorry on VHS every week. I don't think that would ever made it to DVD. Yeah. Um. I and they, they probably did. They the Swan Princess movies got rented a lot. I watched a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't have. I don't know too many, but me, me and my cousin Rosine. I don't know if she's listening to this or not. Um. I think she's listened to some episodes. I don't know if she listened to all of them, but we used to rent just rent movies and we like probably aged 12 to 15 rented a weird amount of horror movies that we probably shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it was great it was great to just be able to rent things and also to like go to the video rental place and just see what they had yeah so like not going there to specifically rented thing and that's how i saw the the prestige yeah you know we went to a blockbuster and I had a look, and I someone had a friend of mine had seen it in cinema, and had said that's really good, and I was like, cool, whatever. I don't give a shit about whatever that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it meant that when I saw it on the shelf, I was like, oh, I think that's that movie that that person really liked. So maybe, if nothing else here looks good, maybe I'll I'll get that one. And then I was like, this is amazing. This is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Any more trivia? Yeah, you stopped me, like, at the second one. Sorry, so. I, I went on a tangent. Yeah, no, it's alright. It's all good. Everything's fine. Um, so the technique that he uh, Eisenheim uses for creating the ghost is known as Pepper's Ghost, um, because it was popularised by someone named John Henry Pepper in the 1860s, but it actually goes back as far as the 1500s. People were using that, that technique. Interesting. To create fake ghosts. 
probably there probably were people who used that to do spirit photos. Yeah. Um, the other, the only other one I have here about the illusionist, the illusionist is um, that in the film Jessica Biel and Edward Norton appear as each other's first love when they're teenagers. Um, but Edward Norton is thirteen years older than Jessica Biel. <laughs> she is closer in age to both of the child actors than she is to Edward Norton. That's just a standard Hollywood relationship right so there. she's 10 years older than her child actor, and Edward Norton is 21 years older than Aaron Taylor Johnson. Kick-ass. <laughs> or yep. as Nicolas Cage puts it, ass kick. Yep. Um, for the prestige, uh, I mentioned this already, but the word prestige uh, comes from the Latin pre- prestigium, which means illusion, so it's called the illusion. Um, the... So, you know the guy that they go to watch to see if they can figure out his trick at the beginning? Yeah. And it, you know, ties in very nicely because um, Alfred is able to spot the trick immediately because yeah. that's what he's doing in his life. That's a real guy. Uh, Chung Ling Su. Uh, his real name is William Ellsworth Robinson. He was a white man who disguised oh, himself no. as an old Chinese man to cash in on audiences' enthusiasm for the exotic. He lived his whole life, uh, his whole public life, as Chung Ling Su, never breaking character in public. Um, he died in March 1918 when a bullet catch trick went wrong, which also is relevant to yeah. the prestige. His first and last words that he ever spoke in the English language on stage in 19 years were... My God, I've been shot. <laughs> and then he died. That would have been so weird. Yeah, yeah, this, this, this like very famous yeah. <laughs> Chinese um, magician who's, who doesn't speak English, has never spoken English, you know, and then he just goes, My God, I've been shot. <laughs> and you're like, wait, who's this British dude? Um... So I thought that was funny. Uh, the movie, the editing in the movie includes 46 time jump cuts. So where a shot flashes back or skips ahead to another time period. Um, which averages it out to... Sorry, sorry. I just thought I, I was like, that doesn't sound like a lot. Sorry, 146 is the correct yep. amount. It averages out to almost one time jump per minute of the movie. Makes sense. Um, the movie, originally, uh, Sam Mendes wanted... To make a movie of the the Prestige, okay. so it's based on a novel. Yeah. Um. He wanted it to be his follow up movie to American Beauty, uh, which he had just been nominated for seven Academy Awards. Interesting fact, trivia fact about American Beauty. Yeah. It the original script called it for to start the same way as um, the Prestige. Start with the ending shot. Start with um. It was completely cut out. It was supposed to start with the two kids. In court, okay. going over the video of right. "I Want You to Kill My Dad." Spoilers yeah, yeah. for um, American, American Beauty. Beauty. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, you're clearly not weird, so it's fine. Um, yeah. So um, the, he, so the writer of the, of the the author of the novel, Christopher Priest, um, wanted Sam Mendes to make it. He was quite happy for that. Um, and then he got another offer from New Market Films on behalf of writer, producer, and director Chris Nolan. Yeah. Christopher Priest says, I never heard of this guy. Um, and was getting ready to close the deal with Sam Mendes when a VHS copy of Following was delivered to his house by motorcycle. <laughs> because 
At the time, Following was the only movie that Chris Nolan had made. Right. So Memento was in production at this time. Right. It hadn't been released. No one had heard of Chris Nolan. Most people who've heard of Chris Nolan now haven't seen Following. Yeah. Um, so Memento hadn't been released. Um, you know, Batman Begins obviously hadn't even started. Um, and he was so impressed by Following that he was like, actually, I'm going to give this to, to Chris Nolan. Let him make it the movie. Which is just, you know, that plus the going to Bowie's house to convince him yeah. to do it. Is Chris Nolan was determined to make this movie. Um, God, I want to watch, like, his entire back catalogue again now. Yeah. Like, I thought about that when we were at the credits of Oppenheimer. I was just like... We should watch Following if you've never seen it. I want to watch Tenet again. Yeah, Tenet. I've got, I've got that on 4K and I haven't watched it. <laughs> we should watch Tenet again. Yeah. Tenet is also very time-related. I feel like... All of his movies have something weird time. Obviously, Memento did. Inception. Inception. Yeah. It's all about time stuff. Yeah. Interstellar. Yeah. A lot of time stuff. He's a he's a man obsessed with time. I think. He plays with time. As yeah. A, as a plot point, it's fantastic. Um, this one's obvious, but I just thought it was fun, so I put it in. Which is that when Ali is introduced, he makes a reference to a magic trick where the magician guesses what's in your pocket, which is yeah. literally a Hobbit reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he played Gollum. Um, the, oh yeah, so the the Al- Albert and Frederick thing um, is was was from the novel. That's what they're, they're called, and it's hinted at in this movie with the, the Freddy and Don't Call Me Freddy stuff. Yeah. Um, the, so Root, who is Angel's stage double when they're um, trying to replicate the trick. Yeah. Um, what he says to him is that he, when he's like saying, of course, I'm a good actor, is that he's played Faust and Caesar, who are both characters who were destroyed by their own ambition. So he's saying, I've played Faust, I've played Caesar, I can play you. Yeah. And then obviously, wow. that's what happens to Angier as well. Can I, can I mention something that I haven't mentioned? Well, yeah. I guess you, you can't physically stop me, so I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I guess you could press mute oh. on the... Oh, I, I, I was going to say, I'll come over there and cover your mouth. Anyway. Um, the wardrobe for both these movies is fantastic. Um, I wish we went back to an era where men and women dressed like... Well, maybe not women, because it's not really fair with the whole corset thing, but I definitely miss well, an era of... In The Illusionist, the stuff Jessica Biel wears yeah. seems very comfortable. Yeah. She rides around on horses in it and yeah. that stuff, and she's... Um, I do miss that era of clothing. Mm-hmm. Not top hats. Top, yeah, just, just hats in general. Waistcoats. Yeah. Um, tailcoats. Yeah. The fake moustaches. Costumes are fantastic. The makeup into prestige is insane. Mm-hmm. It is fantastically done through the and it's like a plot point in the majority yeah. of the movie. Yeah, but it's just so well done. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's gorgeous. And it's even things like with Root, um, who's playing. You know, it's it's all it is Hugh Jackman yes. playing another character, and the. They can't. It doesn't make sense for there to be an identical Hugh Jackman yeah. out there who's not as who's not related to him, but they have fake teeth in. They gave him earlobes, which I hadn't actually noticed until I read it as a trivia fact, and then watched the movie. I was like, oh my god, because Hugh Jackman's ears just like connect to his head. Yeah. So he wears prosthetic earlobes as root. Interesting. So that he look so that you're looking at him and you know he looks like a different person. Yeah. But you're not quite sure why. They didn't change him enough, in my opinion. But then again, I guess. That's the whole illusion. Yeah, he wouldn't. It and it's also work. supposed to be up to Carter, um, 
uh, Michael Caine's char- uh, character to to make him look more like yeah. Angia. Yeah, yeah, because he has like a beard and everything when they meet him first, and, yeah. you know. Um, and the like, there's so much. Like you said, the makeup in the movie is great. There's so many times that that one of the magicians will show up at the other show in fake yeah. different different styles of facial hair and hair and makeup and prosthetics and um because they have to tr- trick each other in order to to get to where they want to be and it's very well done otherwise uh the lighting and the way that edward norton's beard grows just certain scenes he just looked like he was pouting He's doing just, the duck face. Just doing a duck face, yeah. and it just cracked me up because I like, especially the movie poster or the DVD cover, whatever one I, I think I saw, just looks hilarious because it just looks like he's doing. He's in the early two thousands, getting his photo taken at the club, and he's just doing the duck face. Doing the duck face, but it's just the <laughs> his. Uh, it's the way his beard. Because I think he's. I think that's a grown beard. Yeah, I don't so think that's the, a, the long. Like, his, his the length of his mustache, which covers his top lip, yeah, and, and where his beard, his bottom of his beard to, starts, yeah, grows up to his bottom lip, yeah. Um, so it's just lips, yeah. It's and, like it's like Sting, Sting's beard grows like that, yeah. Because I saw Sting on 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 stage while he had a beard, and but his mustache was long enough that it was like covering his mouth, so his mouth is just opening. It's just a beard opening, and I was like, that is a muppet. That's not a human. <laughs> But it is. It and does give the, that like not quite human look yeah, about it. Yeah, and it's also the fact that because he's on stage, where it's most obvious he's being underlit as well. Because yeah. the lighting they're using is either lamps or or in one of the scenes actual just like lamps, like actual lamps. Yeah. With fire. Um, anyway, is that the is that the end of the trivia? Yeah, I, pretty yeah. much. There was one other thing. I forgot what it was. It was something that I'd already mentioned before, so okay, it's cool. irrelevant. It was. Oh yeah, that that it was quite common for for uh, to use twins in transported man acts mm. back at that time. So, anyway, thank so, you for joining us. One call to action: one join our Discord. Discord. That was ages ago. So now it's like, comment, subscribe, share with all your friends. No, no. Go to our join <laughs> our Discord. If you want to follow, okay. Here's what I'll say: If you want to follow us on a social media platform, I recommend. Tumblr, because that's your obsession with Tumblr. I don't have an obsession with Tumblr. It's just the place that I am posting the most yeah, as the yeah, podcast yeah. because it's got it's just a total different vibe. Yeah. Facebook and Instagram are very like they feel very formal, so I just because they, they feel fake to me. Yeah. So so they just get like guess the movie, here's the movie, guess the movie, here's the movie, yeah. and like a couple of stories. Uh, Tumblr is where I'm posting like weird shit all the time, related to the podcast or related to you know whatever. Like I'm reblogging stuff, um, a, a lot of stuff about the actor strike okay. as well. But so if Tumblr. people if people were trying to do that right now, how do they find us on Tumblr? Are they you... go to Tumblr. Um... <laughs> They download Tumblr, <laughs> then they double-tick to open oh, you the can, application. You can, yeah, download the Tumblr app, or go to tumblr.com forward slash ittakes2pod, all one word. Okay. The links, Here's your call to action. Links are in the show notes, yeah. and on our website. Yeah. I think. Actually, I'm not sure about it. I have added Tumblr to the website, but I will if I haven't. Because it's one of the only ones that isn't, like, meta or... Um... Yeah, it's changed hands a bunch of times, um... 
but it's kind of gone back. It was bought by Yahoo at one point and went to shit, and then and then I think they sold it for way less than they bought it for. And it's, it's like Yahoo. And it's <laughs> gone back to um. Yeah, it's 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 a in my opinion currently it's the most enjoyable social media platform for me yeah. to be on, and um. Twitter also very easy to engage with if you want to engage with content. Yeah. You know, you can like it, you can comment, you can reblog to your own blog with comments on it or reblog. How much are you getting paid comments. by Tumblr, Lisa? Nothing. There's oh. it's and you don't have to pay anything to use Tumblr either. No, so. I was hoping you were getting paid for. T- no. <laughs> <laughs> Tumblr don't have any money. Okay. <laughs> you can. I think you can pay to buy. Crabs to send people? I don't know. <laughs> Tumblr is a weird. Like actual crabs? I I like images of crabs. I guess what? I don't know. Okay. Tumblr is a confusing place. But if you're gonna follow someone on social media, that would be my recommendation. Yeah. Or as we said before, join our Discord. Link in the show notes. Thank you for all joining us. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I really appreciate you listening to us. If you've made it this far, you are the reason. That we make this podcast. No, it's not actually true. We make this because we enjoy it. Yeah. We enjoy it. <laughs> if we had one person listening and it was just my mom, well, we wouldn't ever have one person listening yeah. because we have at least two very devout fans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we would we would keep making it. I think. Yeah. But we do enjoy hearing from other people, and if you if you where you're if, from, yeah. what you're up to. If you enjoy our podcast, we would love to hear from you, and you can talk to us on our Discord. Yeah. Alright, have a good day. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's not our sign-up. Do we have a sign-up? <laughs> no. Um, stay safe out there, folks. It's a crazy, weird, bizarre world. Full of illusions. <laughs> illusions, Michael. Michael. <laughs> Alright, goodbye.